Hello and welcome back once again to the Coffee and Heroes podcast and we're back with another creator interview or I should say creators interview. We have not one but two guests on today. Uh, this is a creative team who has facilitated the jump for one of the best selling book series to the world of comics. Uh, first up is a name recognisable to listeners of the podcast, having been a solo guest before, and we do highly recommend checking out that interview on our podcast feed, as it was certainly one of the most entertaining ones. Uh, it's great to welcome back the one and only PJ Holden, try not to laugh too much at that. Hi! <laughs> our second guest is making his debut on the show and is the creator of one of the most beloved Young Adult book series with sales worldwide topping over 6 million copies, and the title being translated into 39 languages. Yes, you can tell I looked up his Wikipedia page. That series has been going on in prose novel form since 2007, but it'll be making the jump to comics this year with the release of Bad Magic, a skullduggery pleasant graphic novel. He's also been dipping his toes into the world of Marvel in the last few years, writing characters ranging from Iron Man to Captain America to Winter Soldier. He is, of course, Mr. Derek Landy, and hello, gentlemen, and welcome. Hello there. Hello. A day later than expected due to some technical issues on my side, but thankfully... I don't know that. The thank, listeners don't know that. You know, I, I like to be, you know, upfront with our listeners and very oh, honest. EJ. You know. We start off how we mean to continue. I like okay. to I like to appear humble, you know, even if it's a facade. I like to appear I, humble. I once did. I'm sorry, this is already veering you off topic here, but I once <laughs> did a play with, when I was in my twenties and I, I did a lot of student theatre. I once did a play, and the guy who was supposed to come, I went on, did my line, waited for the next guy to come on, and he's I'm I'm sitting my character in character waiting for this guy. He took ages. He was having a fag. He was out the back doing something. He came on, stumbled on. He went, oh sorry, nobody knows you're late. <laughs> Only you know your latest. <laughs> and the rest of us, nobody knows. <laughs> honest to a fault. Honest to a fault. So, uh, but yeah, no, I've, I've just got a bunch of questions just obviously to chat about Skullduggery Pleasant, upcoming projects, different bits and pieces as well. Uh, your publisher, because you're people who has people, Derek, your publisher sent me an advanced copy of the graphic, which I sent and read in one sitting. Uh, thoroughly, thoroughly and entertaining. Questions you're allowed to ask. Uh, no other questions. If you ask another question, I'm going to beat you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to try my best to veer off and subtly introduce an extra question. But, uh, I mean, the first thing that came to my mind certainly reading it was why the Jump 2 comics with Skullduggery Pleasant? You know, has this been a, a long-term plan for you at all, Derek? Yeah, I mean... Um... Skullduggery would, uh, I mean, it does by its very concept lend itself to uh, comics. Um, you know, it's got that very distinctive uh, main character. And I have wanted to, I mean, even before I was working with Marvel, I wanted to get into, into comics. A way in, I always thought, okay, what if I just do a Skullduggery uh, comic? um that would be a wonderful calling card so it it was it was always in my head whenever i had seen and they usually take the form of a graphic novel adaptation of a book like uh pleasant um and it would just be the first book in a graphic novel form you have to cut out a load it's not uh, written by the original writer uh the the style is always somewhat formulaic so i have seen where it's gone wrong and as a lifelong uh, lover of comics i had a certain quality uh, control uh, bar that we had to actually pass 
And so I wasn't interested in just going the easier, more trodden routes of of simply handing it over to a team to adopt it. When the, the opportunity came about, I told my publishers, OK, it's going to be an original story. It's going to be uh, written by me and I'm going to pretty much hold your hands uh, as much as possible through this process, because for everyone, for all of the traditional publishers, the graphic novel format is completely new. It's completely alien. Even the terminology around how to read a comic a page is new to them. You know, they have to to learn this. But uh, ever since Heartstopper became huge and it's proved that the audience for story is there no matter what format it takes. Once they realized, oh, we could actually have a thriving uh, graphic novel section. Uh, yeah, I just, uh, Skullduggery fit right in. Yeah, it's nice to hear that. I think that's definitely a good approach because I, I find certainly with adaptations of books, it doesn't really bring new fans to it. And people who have read books before think, why would I want to read the same story again? I've yeah. seen, you know, I've seen it with uh, the girl with the dragon tattoo. Vertigo did a adaptation a few years ago, and I think I've had copies of that book in the store ever since we opened. I don't think I've ever sold one, so I think the original aspect of it is definitely is definitely the way to go. I mean, how how, how did you come together as a creative team? How did PJ factor into this uh, uh, part? I I posted on Twitter. Oh, I'm about to run out of work. <laughs> <laughs> The last desperate plea. <laughs> Which, you know, my uh, really good mate, John McRae, uh, has often said to me, don't you, like, don't tell people that. <laughs> you can feel that way, but don't post it on Twitter. That's just silly. <laughs> and, I, and I'm kind of, a, I've all, like, I've blogged for decades. And, um, and even when I was blogging in the early, like, 2000s, I'd blog about my career and about stuff that was happening and not happening. And I'd get other artists going to me, God, I really love your blog. It's so honest. But also, I would never post stuff like that ever. I just, I would keep that to myself. Um, so I posted very honestly and genuinely. I'm, you know, if anyone knows anything that might be cropping up, I'm looking for work. Because it's very hard to, I mean, I've worked with most publishers, I think, with a lot of the publishers. And it's difficult. You you know, when I've, when I've got gaps in my schedule, they don't know they don't, none of them know. How do they know you've got a gap in your schedule? So it's only when a project comes to me and that, that feels very, um, it's the opposite of proactive. It's it's reactive. That's the word reactive. It's reactive. I'm sitting there kind of going, well, I hope someone notices I'm not working at the moment. You know, that's, it's no, no way to live really. So generally, I mean, with 2008, I know them really well. So I'll usually say to them, look, I'm going to be free in about six months or I'm going to be free now, if you've got any work lined up, and they usually have something because that's a machine that keeps churning. Um, and with Marvel and DC and stuff, I, I, have, I have some editorial contacts and I might email them, but I'm kind of a little drop in the ocean for those guys. So I do, I mean, I, my Twitter account, as was, I had quite a lot of followers. I knew I had quite a lot of writers that follow me, and I knew if you let writers know that you're available and they've got the right project for you that one of them might contact you. I mean, generally it, it doesn't happen like that. Generally the way it happens is they might contact you, say, look, I'd love you to do a thing. Maybe we'll pitch it and, and then it might happen or it might not happen or whatever. But I posted that and then Derek, take it from there. 
it was literally i think the day after i saw that tweet and it 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 was because so we had been gearing up to it you know it obviously took HarperCollins a while because it is such an entity to go okay okay we're going to do this now uh, Derek who do you know and what is a comic I, <laughs> yes what is a comic how do how does one comic how do, um, how do comics yeah and I I literally saw PJ's tweet the day before and then we got the the green light and suddenly Harper were and I think it was over the weekend for some reason and um Harper were were suddenly kind of scrambling because okay this is now happening okay we uh can we go for this artist can we go for this artist and I go everyone calm down <laughs> I have I have engaged in a Twitter conversation with uh, this guy maybe twice short you know like we've never actually met in in person and actually the ninth will be the first time we actually meet in in mm. in Cheltenham and uh, uh you have met my wife though but that's have I? yeah yeah you signed a book for her at a, at a, a signing for that a few <laughs> years ago uh, my son went wanted to get a book signed by you and he just he he copped out because he was too shy and so my wife got you to sign a book to him so you signed a book uh. Is your son code for you? You no, wanted no, it signed no, and you went, oh no, I couldn't possibly. No, no, it's my son. It's my son. No, this is the creator of Monkey Arms. We yes, are talking about. That's, yes, that's the one. That's the fella. <laughs> His son um, has has this, um, this self-published uh, comic called Monkey Arms. And in, this, in Bad Magic, we needed the 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 teenage boy to just have something to be a fan about you know like he has fictional the poster band, he has a fictional band the I think it was in the script a fictional yes band. yeah yeah so monkey arms now now official unofficial band in the um uh, scholarly pleasant universe which is yeah, kind of yeah. fun but yeah, yeah so you were you're sorry before i in, rudely interrupted you you were saying the, the sequence of events that led to us working together was you had got yeah to, yeah, we had never actually met. I think we had we had exchanged tweets maybe twice, short little conversations. Because I I I followed a PJ uh, once, you know, just once. You go, okay, okay, Judge Dredd, oh, nice, okay, so yeah. that's a follow. Um, my my Judge Dredd is like catnip to a certain age of man, and I I I know that. <laughs> I know it's not me they find attractive. I know it's Judge Dredd. <laughs> but once we got beyond the Judge Dredd, I found him to be a wonderful human being. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I'm very sure another well. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so we just had those two small, short conversations. And then I saw, listen, if anyone has any work, I'm actually free for the, you know, for whatever. I got, okay. The moment we got the green lights, I went, all right, you just you hush up now i'm going to tweet um mm. to send a dm to this artist uh, uh, uh who who uh might be available and it just it just because if i hadn't seen that i haven't a clue 
who we would have gone to um because the the options that were being given to me were were companies that had a roster of artists who could do in the style of and those kinds of artists uh usually end up uh, doing the the straight adaptations of 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 YA and and I I I think really the only exception I um was Kev Walker who who did a brilliant adaptation of of um something can't remember what it was Silverfin so it was yes yeah. yes Silverfin um and it was those and um, but it's Kev Walker so yeah, yeah. There, 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 uh, I think there's a, a, an odd little demarcation between guys who do. Uh, comics for the book trade and people who do comics and that that seems to fall down to some people th their career kind of goes I'm going to try and get into comics and also I'm going to try and get into, into other venues and they end up one or the other they don't end up both they end up one or the yeah. other and so the ones that end up in the in the book trade kind of end up doing an awful lot of sort of book trade stuff but don't kind of they're they're it's all I, do, I mean I don't know what the discipline's like in there. I don't know how they kind of manage it and stuff, but it's it's just, it's so weird that it's it's got this artificial demarcation. But I think as well, it comes down to those industries are different. The book trade pays you differently than the comics industry. It was a whole, um, I, you know, I can't go into exactly what, what happened, but it was essentially most book trade wants to pay you a big advance, a reasonable, you know, an advance against royalties, which is great. And then you get good royalties. Poof, thank you. Uh, but the, that's not the way comics work. Comics work is, you do this page, we'll pay you for this page. You do this page, we'll pay you for this page. Um, and it, it was like when I looked at the way the advance, the way advances work, is they give you half before you start and half at the end. And you kind of you're looking at it going, that seems like a brilliant deal. And then you kind of look at it and you go, oh no, about halfway through, I'm going to run out of money. Whoa, 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 no, 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 that can't be. I can't be. I can't be doing that. <laughs> so we had to kind of talk around this and figure out how to how to make that work because they they weren't. I mean, with a writer, maybe that's different. They, you know, a writer can work on that kind of advanced system, but a comic artist can't work on that kind of advanced system. It's, it's, it's kind of complex. So there was lots of little complicated bits and pieces. And then I, I kind of, I think I essentially, the team that did the artwork, the, uh, me, the colorist, the letterer, uh, graphic designer, well, they, those guys were all my suggestions, I think, because yeah. um, they, I don't know if they had people or, or not. Uh, but I, it, it's funny, you sort of, you want people you know, you know, you want people you can trust and you know you can trust. And I think as well, and I flatter myself in this, that um, with me, I'm a very safe pair of hands when you're doing a book like this. You know, for a publisher who doesn't know what they're getting into and for a writer who's who's got a first adaptation or a first book in with a publisher, I'm a very safe pair of hands. You're not going to get any startling surprises. I'm not going to turn up one day drunk at the company uh, discourse on that. Uh, you know, you're going to get the pages roughly when you expect them. You're going to get them of a certain level. You're not going to get any big kind of. So I mean, that's sometimes to my detriment because people sometimes want to be surprised. <laughs> sometimes, you know, it's it's. Uh, but for the most part, I think that's that suited the fact that it was the first. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think they, um, they, and and again, it, the thing about the Skullduggery team at Harper Collins is that they, they learn really fast, um, and obviously they're really good at their jobs. But also, from the beginning, they have been 
the ones to push new ideas and uh, to be the first ones in the company to do this, to be the first ones, mm. you know, to to do that. We did a. It's a big risk for them. It's a big risk. It is. It's a huge. Guys. Yeah, yeah, and and obviously they they hadn't a clue what the hell they were doing, yeah. and so, uh, yeah, so so getting it like the the first hurdle is to get them to understand and then appreciate the difference between an artist who who does more work, as you say, in the book trade and a comic artist, mm-hmm. and I said, okay, I don't want. A more general kind. I want a comic artist. I want mm. that sensibility because, apart from anything else, I know the speed and I know the speed that a, a comic artist is used to. But also, uh, and so that uh, breaks down into, you know, um, the pressure of getting a certain amount of pages done in a month. Uh, but also just the the attitude just the energy behind the actual drawings um who they are appealing to what areas of the brain they are hitting uh i didn't want someone who might be a little bit safer i wanted a comic artist so yeah yeah that was the first hurdle to overcome uh, to make them appreciate the difference so hopefully when they go on and do more graphic novels with other writers and other teams, uh, they will be a little more uh, appreciative of, you know. There, of- there were there were some incidences that I remember thinking, like, I don't I don't understand wh- wh- how what they what they're talking about here. But where it was, I think they're so used to because yeah, I remember um, I don't know. If, I remember you saying that they were proofreading the script. And they were proofreading the caption descriptions, and it's like, well, you don't need to proofread captions. It's only me saying <laughs> yeah. that stuff. You don't. You might need to proofread the dialogue, but you don't need to see. You don't need to proofread the caption descriptions. Yeah. <laughs> no one's ever going to see it. Yeah. I remember as well. I think there was something about um, they were kind of. I think because the way books are delivered, books are delivered in a draft and then a refined draft and so on. So I think we were maybe thinking I would deliver like 120 pages in in rough form and then 120 pages in finished form and i like one no I'll, I'll get you you'll be getting a couple of pages a week you know you see this coming in and it'll be as as it's done you'll see it build you'll see you'll yeah. start with nothing and you'll see page by page by page by page fill up and that's the way comics work you know comics fill up and i mean i've seen it before on projects where you start with a blank canvas 52 pages and you fill those pages one after the other and you know you and but you can see them adding up whereas i think as say they're, they were kind of going, so when you send us the first 120 pages of pencils, we're going to, and I'm like, no, no, you'll be getting, I mean, well, every time I send you some pencils, check on, check them, don't sit on, you know, check them and then yeah. we'll go through. So it's just, a, you know, and it's to be expected from people who, who have never done the, the comic before, um, but that, which isn't to say that like everyone else involved, everyone making the comic was very, you know, very familiar with the language of comics, you know, the uh, Pi Pars done, done the graphic design stuff and, and um, uh, Rob did the letter and stuff. We're all, we all knew what we were doing, so we we're just kind of helping them a bit as well. And so yeah. they understood the, the way it, it all worked. Um, so, I mean, and I'm kind of, I'm looking forward to seeing how, how it goes down. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if we'll see advanced numbers. I don't know how all of that works. I don't know. 
Derek will know better than me, I'm sure. But like, I'm like, oh, I don't know. I do know that I took one copy down to the court Comic Con. I could have sold it a dozen or so times just by people picking it up. Going, oh, was there? A, it's not out yet. It's not out yet. I you, end up, you, you just charge them ten pounds for a picture holding it. Just for a picture. How was that? Yeah. that? I mean, jumping um, jumping jump on that sort of art question. I mean, how intimidating PJ is it to? adapt such a long-running and beloved series i mean so many people have ideas in their head as to what these characters look like and what this world looks like you know you could call it an arrogance i suppose i'm not worried it doesn't bother me in the slightest and part of that is um like by the time someone sees it to criticize it i'll be so far removed from it it won't matter like there'd be nothing I can do about it anyway. There's like someone could say that's not what I expected them to look like. And I go, well, build me a time machine. And I'll fix it for you. I can't do anything about that. But as also as long as Derek's happy, I'm happy. You know, yeah. it, you know. I I hope the readers love it. I hope. Um, I don't necessarily want them to, and I'm sure we'll get to this later. But um, they'll have an image in their head, and it will always be different from what I whatever it is I'm delivering. Um. And that's okay, you know, it's fine. Uh, I I don't even necessarily want mine to be the final version of what people think these characters look like. It's not going to be like that. Mm-hmm. And if, but there was some stuff I think in the early days, in the first few pages, where I was there, it wasn't because essentially the characters are skulls, so <laughs> that's easy. That's an easy thing. The more tricky stuff is the stuff that I think works really well written down, but is harder, trickier to adapt, which was that um, Skullduggery has this ability to change what he looks like every single time you see him. So every anytime you see him, he looks physically different unless he's in that kind of skull form. He has a little doohickey that he presses on his neck and he gets a new face and, and so on. And that's a lot harder to do in comics because now suddenly you're like, oh, that's what he looks like. And then, oh, no, he looks differently. And it's a, it's a different, like we're in, in a book you can write, and Skullduggery walked down the road looking like a different person, easy peasy. But now I've got to draw him looking like a different person and for the reader to still know it's Skullduggery. So one of the things I was playing with was keeping the face in deep shadow all the time. And it really, I think it really worked. But then we kind of realized, no, we've got to see that he changes his face. Otherwise, there's no point. So we were sort of stumbling around some of the, some of the visual language of it as well, which, yeah. which was interesting. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think as well, I mean, I... I mean, I'll be honest, I hadn't read the books. My my son and my wife had. But I do know the characters age and I know they start young and they get older and older. So they change, their looks change. So um, this is one moment in time from those characters. This is not the final, you know, they, they will change their looks. They will change uh, how they how they um, are expressed. Um, yeah. No doubt by, by me and other artists, you know. So yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm all for, you know, younger readers picking it up and drawing their own versions of these characters. That's I, like... I can't be proprietary and go, if that's the right word, and go, this This is my vision of these characters. They're Derek's characters. So it's ridiculous for me to do that. But also, I can't do that coming from the background of drawing Judge Dredd and knowing how many versions of Judge Dredd there are, how many versions of them I love and going, well, you know, you know, the Steve Dillon version is great, but then so is the Brendan McCarthy version. And and yet there's also the Brian Bolland version, but maybe, you know, you know Mike McMahon version. is It's, it's like, they're all uniquely different and and that's kind of you know i'm sure that's the sort of that's the way you want a character to be that that the character still comes across no matter who's drawn it that there's still a strength in in the kind of the central uh, conceit of that character that any any artist any interpretation is is valid but it's also just an interpretation that sounds like a really tossy answer <laughs> that that, that sounds well thought out 
Yeah, <laughs> had it all written down. <laughs> I mean, expanding on that, I mean, Derek, did you give detailed notes on art and designs, or did you just stay out of the lane and let PJ deal with that himself? Uh, mostly stayed away. There, there are there are touchstones, um, like you know, as to to continue on the dread idea. All of those. I mean, you can have skinny dread. And you can have overly muscular dread. And as long as he has the chin and the uniform, it's still dread. And so because he shifts so much through interpretations, the reader um, quickly comes to understand this is somebody's interpretation. This is an artistic interpretation of the word that is written in the script. And it's um, it's filtered through what the artist wants to convey and how the artist sees the character. And so I, I, you know, the, the thing with Skullduggery and Valkyrie, they're both tall. He's a skeleton. He wears a suit. He has a hat. She has dark hair. Um, she's strong and, you know, pretty much the, uh, that's that, it. So long, the whole thing with the skull, she has that too. That's also that's the, yes, that's yeah. And and <clears throat> she has, um, especially in this book, she has a protective uh, suit that uh, flows over her clothes when she needs it. So she has a costume too. As long as we hit those sort of touchstones, yeah. Yeah, those those little touchstones for each of them. It's I I I was I surprised myself by being very comfortable with the idea that this is PJ's interpretation because I'm I'm such a quality control person uh, when it comes to skullduggery. I'm I'm you know we whenever we send out a newsletter whenever. Harper Collins sends out a newsletter. I have to check the tone of it. Uh, if I'm not writing it myself, I'm checking the tone. And 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 um, you know, so even the the tone of our press releases, you know, even the the because the voice has to be consistent. The the voice has to be the same, and it's a very tricky voice to get right. It's sarcastic. It's arrogant, but um, it's also kind of friendly, and and the, so that's just in our our newsletter. Um, so I'm 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 very hands on about how Skullduggery and its universe is presented. So yeah, I was kind of surprised at, but I think when you when you do comics. And I started off in film, and then I went to books, and then I went to uh, books and comics. I mean, when you start off in film, you write the script in isolation, and if you're lucky enough to get it produced, you become part of a huge team, and you suddenly are, it's a collaboration. And then you go to books where I'm in charge and I'm the final say in everything. You know, my editors will come back with suggestions and changes. And if I agree with them and if they make the book better, I will take them on board. 
and claim them as my own ideas. Um, and if I don't, I will, you know, absolutely strike them down. So to go from whatever it was, 16, 17 years, no, 15 years, of skullduggery books and being the absolute emperor of my world and being the final say in everything, uh, because of my work with Marvel, and you go, okay, so the writer is important to a degree, and then it becomes a team effort, and it's not a t team effort where, you know, it's 60-40, it's literally 50-50 um, in how to tell his story. Uh, so it was because of that that when it came time to to make bad magic, I was, I, I, again, I surprised myself with how um, easygoing I was. <laughs> yeah, I, th I think the thing is that for the readers, there will be as many versions of what those characters look like as there are numbers of readers. So uh, there will be no singular interpretation that will be right. Yeah. None. So, so the trick will be to make sure the voice is right because that's what they recognize. And Derek's right in it. So, of course, the voice is going to be right. If I was doing it with another writer and Derek was kind of going, you guys do your thing, um, I suspect I'd be much more panicked about whether it would be received well or not. Um, but I know, I mean, I know the readers are going to hear Derek's voice through that. I know they're going to hear, they're going to hear the right Skullduggery Pleasant. They're going to hear the right Valkyrie. Um, and like, regardless of, um, how many people uh, would see the version that I do as the the only version? Uh, and the, there's a possibility some readers will go, "This is the way I want these characters to look all the time." There'd be hundreds and hundreds of readers that will that will you would never be able to do that for because they've they've got it in their own head what these characters look like. So it's just a matter of making sure you're true to the voice of the character and that um, there's enough room for interpretation. And there there are some artists. I'm not a photoreal art artist, so. Um, my artwork is not like, oh, I can literally, I could take a photo and that would be literally what this is. There's a certain amount of, uh, in, uh, for want of a better word, slightly cartoonier artwork, which is more open for interpretation where a reader can see it and, and kind of project their own ideas onto it. And so uh, I wouldn't surprise me if there are readers that kind of see their version of, of uh, those characters in my artwork because there's enough room for that to, to happen because it's not photo real if it were photo real yes they'd go no this is you know that doesn't look to me what i thought these characters look like but because they're not photo real because there is a little bit more kind of elasticity in for the imagination um that means the reader hopefully the readers will come away but so it, at no point was i ever worried about it and um and you know i was just happy to have work <laughs> <laughs> The ultimate uh, not worry oh, yeah. till right there. Um, I mean, with regards to Bad Magic, Derek, how hard is it to strike a balance between rewarding long-term readers but attracting first-time readers? You know what I mean? Obviously, it's such a rich and detailed world. I mean, how do you distill all that down to, you know, as I say, letting new readers come into it just but also satisfying those long-term ones? That was the trick. Originally, the the story for what became Bad Magic was completely different, and it harkens back to one of the earlier books um, uh, uh, with with particular characters, and um, and it that is a good 
story. It's a good plot. I, I'm going to use it in something. But the more I thought about it, the, 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 the less I wanted it to intertwine with the, the books. Because the trick is to to get new readers. Um, the the existing Skullduggery fans will read the, this book if they like comics and if they like graphic novels and you know if they're willing to give it a it it a go. Um, so you know we we will have a certain amount of readers, but um, the the really appealing thing for Harper Collins was the idea that. Um, the graphic novel would be a way to draw in new readers because there there's something um quite counterintuitive about a long running series because you think okay you write uh, a series of books which right now are 15 books long and we've just announced that the next one will be out in march so this is going to be at the end of of this phase 18 books in this series and you think oh okay so um there's this guy and he's been writing 18 books because it's a cash cow and it's you know it's a guaranteed sales and to a degree that is accurate um but it's when you have a long running series, your readership is actually going to start to go down because it's all about getting new readers. And 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 the lovely thing about Skullduggery is that um, even now when I do signings, yes, I'm signing for, you know, the girl in her mid 20s or the guy in his mid 30s or the people who started these books as adults and are still reading them now uh, but I'm also going to be signing every signing I'm going to be presented with a whole generation of new like nine-year-olds uh, who will happily stand in a queue with a 40-year-old uh, tattooed biker which happened in Drada uh, a, a, a few years ago this tiny little girl was you know in front of this huge big hairy man and um, so you know the Skullduggery audience is is wildly diverse, um, but so the 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 readers are going to hello cat um, are going to respond to the graphic novel. But as I said, the appeal to Harper Collins was the idea that okay, the graphic novel can maybe entice more people into a very long running series and so once i clicked into that mindset i said okay i don't want it to harken back to uh storylines or 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 uh characters or events that have been already established i want it to be standalone so that will appeal to both the skullduggery readers and hopefully uh new readers and it's uh whether or not we're successful i haven't a clue um the 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 thing with writing is that when you're writing the thing you think it's brilliant 
when you've just finished it, you think this is wonderful. When you close down the program and you go out and you, yeah, look at me. And then you go back the following day and you go, mm, this, mm, mm. but thankfully that didn't happen with bad magic because um, I could close down the program and send off the scripts. And then we got PJ's art back and go, okay. So, you know, that level of, of a creator's excitement you know was maintained um uh the entire way so i think we we stand a very good chance of accomplishing what i wanted to accomplish um but yeah the the important thing was that you know this isn't just for the diehard skullduggery readers um uh yeah this is this is as much as possible trying to get as many new people introduced to the world as possible. And was the plan always, I suppose with Harper Collins not having the same level of experience as say an image or a boom or a dark horse. I mean, I, I did read the book and obviously it's divided into chapters. Was was there ever a, a an inkling of doing it as a traditional single issue series or was it always original graphic novel? I don't think that would e even have been possible for them because mm -hmm. um, that isn't how they they think. That isn't... Um... There's, there's a massive amount of infrastructure required for monthly comics, as you know, uh, and, and they're just not involved in that at all. So it would, I mean, the... the, the the uh, what do you call it? The the wall they have to climb to do that would be so high. And, uh, and don't forget, I mean, they're coming to not knowing anything about comics anyway. So I, th I think it's you know the idea of doing a graphic novel at all came from Derek rather than them. So I don't I don't think it was ever. I, I suspect it was written in twenty page chunks because maybe you were used to writing that kind of size. Yeah. It was, yeah. Because yeah. I know it went from twenty page chapters to twenty one page chapters when when they, <laughs> when somebody did the pagination and went. Oh, actually, we need it to end on uh, on an even number. Yeah. <laughs> so can we can we give an extra page in every chapter? Oh, that was a that was a rough day, I'll tell you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I panicked. I I panicked. <laughs> I I looked at the script. I went, oh crap! Hold on, hold on. Okay, so page turn, page turn, page. Oh no, no, no! I no, I can't end on this side of the page. I have to end <laughs> on that side of the page. So. Um, so, so, th so that entailed uh, some panicked emails to HarperCollins. I go, okay, we are going to need either an extra chapter, so an extra 20 pages, <laughs> or um, uh, um, can we take those 20 pages and actually intersplice them, you know, with, so, um, uh, so. It gives some moments a little more kind of uh, bizarre. It gives some moments a kind of half-page splash or whatever, which I think is useful. Yes. I, yeah. I, I mean, I, I kind of. I mean, the thing with books is they don't do pagination until the book's finished. You know, whereas comics are sort of they're all about pagination. Yeah. They're all about all page structure. Turns. Yeah. So, so you're sort of you're writing the comic with the page turns from the get-go in mind. Whereas I think. They're coming at it from the other end, thinking, "Well, once we know how many pictures are in this, we'll know how many pages it takes." It's like, "Oh no, <laughs> maybe, maybe we aren't thinking like that." But that's just in my head. That's why they're, how they're thinking. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, so just the, the, just some of those language difficulties with with a publisher versus you know a book publisher versus a comics publisher. Um, I yeah. hope they find the experience good. I, I mean, I'm I'm I, they all I, enjoyed it. I'm, I don't know. <laughs> 
I I I think they did. I think they um they uh, have been all of their enthusiasm for the 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 project. I think has been rewarded because obviously after Heartstopper had proved that you know mm. there was. The, Prove something that uh, comic fans have known for ever. Um, there is an audience, um, and I, I. Uh, but again, this was, you know, this is an experiment. Um, I, I think it's, it's uh, this department in HarperCollins. It's their first time they've ever actually done this, um, and 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 because of this. Um, because their ambitions are now growing once they see, okay, we're happy with bad magic. That was a successful experiment. Now we want, you know, to do things like this with other writers and other, other projects and other, um, uh, books, but then they, then I got a call from, from my editor saying, now, would you know any like freelance writer who would be able to take something like this and actually turn it into a comic? Because, because, and, and as they explain it, it's like, okay, me as the writer I am and with the influences I've had and with the, the experience and the background I have, I'm in the perfect position to do this. I am the, perfect person to to be their experiments because i know how to write uh, comics and i know how to write books and my book series translates automatically it's a no-brainer into the comic format um but other writers who might have the right idea the right character the right world in book form they do not have the same experience uh, or even, as we said, the, the same terminology. They don't even know the terms of, of, of what we're talking about here. So uh, I'm, I'm really glad that HarperCollins are happy with Bad Magic. And I'm really, obviously, and I'm really, really happy that their enthusiasm has been rewarded. But I think they, they realized quite quickly that this isn't just an automatic uh, shift for every one of our authors. That's not possible. Um, but I think because they they've been so happy, they've been so pleased with the process. They've been because it was it was. I mean, really, the added page to each chapter was the only only yeah. kind of hiccup that we had. Um, and and as it turned out to be wonderful, because I got to go back to the chapters that PJ had already drawn and go, okay, where can we put in a new page? And obviously the, the place to do it is an action scene. And we have a few of those. So I had my pick of them. And as long as one page ended on, on a move and another page began, then that gave us ooh, a page to just put in a cool visual. Um, you know, just something extra. I, I, will, uh, I will say as well, the um, if I'd been contacted by uh, a book publisher 
who had no experience of doing comics and they had a book author with no experience of doing comics and wanted to adapt a, a book of theirs i might i almost certainly might have said no <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> because I've seen scripts by writers who don't do comics and they're they can be difficult because they you know Derek's scripts were great um you know you, you could draw them they were very drawable um and I, you know I, I have, I've been very lucky in my career I've worked with really good writers but I've also seen scripts where sometimes it's not that they're not drawable it's that the amount of drawing required to get across the idea like opening a door walking through the door and picking something up in one panel of that that kind of thing yeah. where you go yes you can do that in a book <laughs> but <laughs> almost impossible um yeah. or you know visuals like the invisible man stood there thinking and you're going how, how, how do i do that um so yeah so it was it i think yeah it was a good good team for i mean for harper calls probably the best setup that they could have had and i i would say as well you know, a lot of praise for Pi Parr, who's doing a book now with Rob Williams. Yeah. Uh, Pi is an exceptional, he's a brilliant artist, but a, 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 an exceptional graphic designer. And he's used, used to working in the book trade as well. So uh, he acted as kind of a huge amount of sort of, um, uh, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? In between, between the, the books and the actual doing it. Like, you know, the, the book publishers and the graphic design and getting the book into a state where it can be printed. I think I think a lot of that was on him, I suspect. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, and so, you know, and I, he might have been in some ways a key, you know, and and, and the truthful, you know, the putting of that, the truth of that would not come out whenever another one happens and we see, <laughs> we see how easy it goes, how smooth it goes. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it was very, very easy for me. I just had to draw some scripts. Um, Pi, I think, had to do a lot of kind of getting in design files ready for a publisher and all this stuff, which is oh, wow. complicated technical stuff that, that um, Pi is used to work as, say, working for book publishers and also as a comic artist. And he's an amazing graphic designer as well really great graphic designer so um yeah so I, I yeah i think he was he was key for for me to to be able to kind of go yes this should be okay that's cool i do love the idea that the book has this hidden layer to it now that every chapter you'll be looking at it for what was the Which extra pages what was the extra page that got so i think you need to run a competition there if someone can say the five yeah. extra pages or or however many there were yeah yeah <laughs> i mean obviously... no, I'm, i mean i'm glad the, the, the extra pages I, I suspect maybe i don't know i mean I'll, I'll speak for you derek here this is probably wrong but as a 2080 reader and, and probably a long-standing British comic reader, you know, call you British comic reader because yeah. you probably read more British comics uh, yeah. than American comics, you're packing as much in as you can. And so, like, the pages are five, six, seven panel pages. They are, they're, yeah. they're denser than American comics, I think, possibly because of the book, possibly because of that. Uh, and, but to be given an extra page and said, here, you've got one page you can do something visually nice with, yeah. suddenly you know that those pages tend to be the ones where right a costume is revealed or you know an explosion or whatever it is um th and those are still nice to have i mean i'm i i want pace you know i want pace 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 but that's because i come from 2018 where five pages is all you get so you, pace is all you can really do but sometimes it's nice to take a breather and go whoa that's a cool moment that's a and i yes. i think that's that's one of the things we sort of got in because we had those extra yeah. You know, the stuff yeah. Go, oh, sugar. <laughs> we need that. Yeah. 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 Well, obviously, I like to think a lot of the groundwork then has been laid with Harper Collins. You know, if there was to be a second book, a third book, is that something you're thinking about? Or is <clears> it <throat> obviously you've announced a new trilogy of, of prose novels? 
as but uh, are their ideas percolating? One man. <laughs> one man, one man, and a talking cat. No, let, let, <laughs> let's be let's be truthful here. But but yeah, are there, are there ideas percolating for any sort of yeah, yeah, and 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 the the, I mean, you know, I suppose it does all depends on how bad magic does. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I I know if it does um, what Harper Collins, even if it does the bare minimum of what they want uh then yeah they they want more skullduggery uh graphic novels um and that's a that's a that's a lovely that's a i mean beyond lovely um idea uh, it it's it but it is a case of you know um i just we <laughs> we can't screw up um uh but it it's there i think it's their enthusiasm um which is the, the you know the main driving force here as long as the as as bad magic sells what it needs to sell then this could yeah this could be the start of a skullduggery a graphic novel um uh, universe all of its own and that's that's what i i i wanted i um i w- i want the the books the prose books to you know uh exist on their own i want the graphic novels to exist on their own with their own continuing stories with their own continuing themes with their own um uh attitude and they the books and the graphic novels can then you know uh be read in one continuous line but i would love if we got loads of skullduggery graphic novels uh, that would tell its own story um yeah so so in theory uh so long as everything goes well uh the answer to the question is yes. So <laughs> more. So no tweets needed from you, PJ, saying you've no work. Well, I mean, I, I'm hoping I'll have work, but <laughs> <laughs> I would say, I mean, I, I it's Skullduggery's Derek's thing, and I would love to do more, and I hopefully will get to do more. But I, I think it's beholden on Derek, and and that uh, that these other stories might be in other. I don't know how he's going to write them. I don't know. They're not necessarily going to be a continuation of that one. Um, yeah. Because there's no need for it to be. But they might be set another time. You know, they might be younger. They might, and and it, it would be fun to see different versions of it. It would be fun to see. And then, um, yeah, to, just to see how that character can be stretched visually uh, and, and how yeah. other people can play it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping um, if there is more in, in around that period, maybe that'll get to be my period. That would be cool. Um, but... You know, I, I say this uh, Skullduggery is, is Derek's baby, and I'm I'm sort of I was along for the ride for that one journey. It was good fun. Well, outside of Skullduggery, it almost feels Derek like you're actually carving your own corner of the Marvel universe as well. I mean, you have Falcon Winter Soldier, which then went into Captain America, Iron Man, All Out Avengers, Avengers Beyond, recently the Werewolf by Night special as well. It must be it must be great to play in that sandbox. It is. It's it's and. It, I mean, 
I'm I I got into this because of a tweet that uh, I the, think I was the power of Twitter here before Elon Musk took God, over. Honestly, God, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> what, what have we lost? What have we lost? <laughs> <laughs> because I I had wanted to get into comics for years, and my agent is wonderful, and and you know she she gets any film. Uh, studio on the line in an instant um, uh, and obviously she knows the world of books inside out she knows the world of movies and TV inside out comics was the great uh, white whale that we just could not could not get um, because we didn't know how we, because it's such a, it's such a closed off industry and really the only way to make contacts in comics is to make comics um and you know it's to start off it's to find an artist and it's to do something together do something cheap print it off get yourself noticed <laughs> um and i didn't have that because you know i'd been a successful author and i was you know king of my world and everything was wonderful uh, for me um, and so you just go okay get the comics company on the line and then we go uh, we don't know the number <laughs> essentially um, so oh, we had been trying it's curiously immune to agents uh, like I don't know comics artists and writers generally don't have agents in that industry it's just it's I, I suspect because the money's so little but that's <laughs> <laughs> there's generally it's not that kind of industry it just doesn't yeah. have it except maybe in i don't know in the 60s and 70s where, where there would have been argentinian agents or spanish agents that represented you know groups of people and you know that's that's how you have those influxes from from those parts of the world but generally not for writers not for for things and and there's a little more of a kind of getting to know the people first before you can really do anything and then getting to understand you as well before yeah so, yeah, and, 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 you know, going to conventions, uh, actually network, actually speaking to people, meeting people, that's, that's how you get into comics. Um, so I, I realized this eventually, and I went, right, okay, this just might not happen. Um, uh, or if it does happen, it's going to take a concerted effort on my part, I'm going to have to go and work with a writer to you know do have a professional pitch but i was talking on on twitter about i i had mentioned i, I can't remember what it was but i was talking about comics i was talking about marvel and alana smith uh, who was then associate editor now she's full editor um sent me a tweet saying i love the skullduggery books if ever you want to write for, uh, for marvel just let me know. So, so that was one of those those times where, um, you know, this is this is as a lifelong comic fan to suddenly get an offer like this from Marvel um, from nothing. And this they was, say, and they say, comics are hard to break into. Honestly, God, it's easy. All you got to do is write fifteen best-selling books. <laughs> Easy. Anyone could do yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so so she sent me this a tweet, and I started off on a 
like an eight-page um, story about J. Jonah Jameson, uh, which was awesome uh, to write. Um, and then, yeah, so I, 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 but I, I realized, and it was a, <laughs> a, a crash course in, in comic writing because um, they don't send you a manual. They, you know, they don't send you a, here's how to write comics and here's what we expect of you. Um, so, uh, obviously I knew technically how to write comics as I got, how to write uh, comics books, you know, and I'd been uh, buying them for years. So I knew what a comic page looked like. Um, but it, it's the thing where you write a script and you send it off and whenever I send off my editor, something, he will send me back a document or he will give me a call and with the first draft he'll take it to it Derek I love this I love this now I would look again at this part with this theme for the ah this line loved it I laughed out loud on the train it was brilliant and so that's what I was used to and then suddenly I was sending Marvel my scripts and you hear nothing because they're so busy and they're dealing with so many writers. But I'm like, um, so do they hate it or do do they like it? And where's then, my notes? Yeah, where's my feedback? Where's my one-on-one? And um, uh, so then, you know, you'd get, okay, uh, Derek, this is good, boom. Or, you know, if if they had a note, they go, right, uh, Tony Stark doesn't really sound like Tony Stark, you know. So, okay, you go back and you'd, you'd you'd um address that but in general it's yeah this is good excellent and so then they get on the writer uh the artist and then the artist um some of them will send uh the email thread um they will send in their thumbnails and for ages for years i didn't know what was expected of me like i didn't know if i had could go the thumbnail in this panel um you really have to reveal this aspect so i didn't know what my area of responsibility began and ended um and now i i i realize <laughs> through through experience because i actually straight out asked alana how much inputs from me at this stage are you comfortable with and basically the answer is if I can save the editor's work, then they will be fine with that. So um, so I said, okay, so I send the script in, I get not really much of a reaction, but it's accepted. And then the artist sends in the thumbnails and then I have started to go back on the thumbnails and then you'll get the pages and then you well, once all the art is done, then you, then you're you're sent everything, and you go, okay, now come up with a lettering draft, and you go, okay, so now I've got to, I've got to rearrange my script to react to the changes that the artist um, has made through his interpretation, and then you go, okay, so then you send that off, and then you come back with uh, the uh, lettered version and you've got to uh, give your notes on that. So I didn't know any of this. I thought this is a case of you write a script and you hand it over and you let the experts 
and deal with it. But the experts are so freaking busy. Um, and so you, you, uh, it really is all hands on deck. Um, so it was a trial by fire, but it was a trial by fire in a very contained, controlled environment because I was given a series of mini-series. Uh, the Black Order, then Falcon Winter Soldier, then Captain America Iron Man, then Avengers uh, Forever, and then that morphed into Avengers Beyond. Um, and I'm probably pissing out something else. Um, but just to to work with the Avengers, uh, you know, to get that email saying, okay, we're going to launch a new Avengers book. Um, here's your cast. You know, send us your, you know, the first five story ideas. Um, and, you know, to any chance I have, I include Spider-Man because my my brief was you can have any character who has ever been an Avenger. <laughs> so I said Spider-Man was an Avenger, so I can write Spider-Man now um, because you know that's that was my gateway character when I was a kid. Um, so, but just to to write uh, the Marvel in the Marvel universe. Um, it's beyond a thrill um and it's it's beyond an honor but at the same time i look back at the stuff i've done and go okay i was way too safe i was way too respectful of other writers and other creative teams because i i i just wanted to tell my little story and not interfere or not change anything in a big way oh i changed something in a big way by accident, um, I added one step in the evolution of the Beyonder. The Celestials did something and they gave the power to the Beyonders and the Beyonders went off. And I put a step between the Celestials and the Beyonder. Um, and I got so many people saying this, this doesn't make any sense. Um, and uh, so, yeah. That was wonderful, but that that was my that was my first uh, taste because I'm completely inoculated from that with skullduggery and I'm immune to it because whatever I say goes, and I can ch change the history and the characters and whatever else. But with Marvel, the readers are th th the experts, and I'm and I and I think I've done all my research, and then they say, "Have you not read this series?" And I go, "Oh, Jesus." With with the big two stuff though, I think people they hate change, they hate it, they hate it, and then they hate it for a long time, and then eventually they go, "Don't don't change that. That's part of the canon, and how yes. dare you overturn it or change it? That's that's always been part of the canon, and we love it." And you're yeah. like, "Because who? I mean, like I remember when Clone Spider Man was outrageous and a terrible thing, and it was awful, and now everyone loves it. That's like." Ah. <laughs> Just wait long enough. You just wait long enough. Everything will be good, good, good and okay. <laughs> um, I mean, I, and 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 like PJ, I I don't know what it's like for you, but um, in terms of uh, interactions with with uh, readers, and you know, with the Marvel fans who have uh, taken issue with with the the 
the change I made. They they know their stuff. They really do, and they know it way better than I do. So I've got to come back with the the writer's logic of mm. yeah, I get what you're saying, dude. But but from the storytelling point of view, uh, who's stronger, the thing or the Hulk? It's whatever the writer decides yeah. at that moment. Um, so you've got to respect where they are coming from because they're actually, you know, they they are kind of like the protectors of the canon, um, uh, and uh, you know, and and as irate as some of them have been, you know, like they're they're you know they're quite they're quite nice, mm. uh, or they have been. So, but I, like I, I mean. Because I come from a 2000 AD background, where dread, everything that's happened, dreads, dreads canon is much more consistent in the sense that it runs consecutively without ever being rebooted, so it's all yeah. true. But also, nobody holds it to any hard, hard standard. Like you know, you can simply overturn stuff, and it doesn't matter. It's it's, it's less important, or it's sort of you know what you know. Okay, at that point, there were this and also this, and so we've decided now there's only this. That's fine. So there's a kind of it's a weird. It's um like Steve Jobs said about ideas. It's like you, um, you hold them fiercely but loosely. You sort of you're fierce with them but loose with them. So the moment they they can be overturned in a second's notice, and then you're on to the next thing you latch onto. So it's always a bit baffling to me about Marvel readers where the canon is so often upturned and turned you know and rebooted. None of it's canon. It's all canon, and none of it's canon. It's yeah. It doesn't matter. Like good. St- I mean, and also you you get to a certain age. It's like now I want to I want to read Peter Parker as Peter Parker the way I read him when I was twelve. That's <laughs> so you want these characters to be. So, but but I've not really done any Marvel work at all. I've done a little bit of DC work, but it's always with um, slightly. Uh, I did that uh, Soul Plumber book, which is sort of creator owned, I think, and. Um, I've done little bits and pieces with with other characters where they they sort of turn up and then they don't nothing important happens to them so it doesn't matter okay. that it's canonical or, or not. Um, but I've done a lot of dread and believe me, oh, the, there's a certain <laughs> a certain level of canonical and non canonical there that you can learn to live with and learn to let go of. So, okay, yeah, I always just say when it comes to canon, a good story is a good story. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I I think. You know, as obviously as someone who owns a store, you know, my knowledge needs to be tip top because similar to you guys as creators, you know, I, I'm held to a standard of, have you read this? Have you read this? Have you read this? The, 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 you the, know. The, five, the five books that I could mention that everyone would have read or should read or would tell someone else to read, none of them were strictly speaking canon when they were released. And with Dark Knight Returns was not it was not canonical. It was outside of the Dark Knight Returns. Uh, Gotham by Gaslight, where on earth is that in the canon? Where, where how does that fit into the, the world? Um Watchmen, none of those things were real or, or not. Um what else? Um, you know, the, the stuff with Captain Britain and uh, you know, there's a whole bunch of absolute stone cold classics that are only stone cold classics because they ignore, ignored all the canonical stuff. Or and Superman, yeah. uh, All Star Superman is another one which kind of mushes the, all the canon together and picks the best bits out of it and just gives you those bits. That's you know. Yeah. So anyway, I'm not, I'm not too, I'm not too worried about that. But everything in Skullduggery Plaza's Bad Magic is canonical and I <laughs> <laughs> and should never be overturned. <laughs> so for any listeners out there who strictly adhere to canon, this is the series for you. Clearly, 
That's it. That's it. You know, one voice running through it all, as opposed to yes. eighty years of regime changes and yeah. writer changes <laughs> and updates and crises and secret wars <laughs> and all sorts of things. Um, I mean, obviously, outside of Skullduggery and, um, and and everything else for both of you, I mean, it'd be remiss for me not to ask about any upcoming projects. I mean, anything in the pipeline you can you can tell us about on here. Uh, well, I've, I've a, I have a load of little funny little projects. Um, I do an ongoing micro fiction zine called A4, which is an A4 sheet. You print it out and you fold it up and you get this little standee with kind of like a 1950s style retro cover on it. And it's they're just little micro fictions of and, and I, that comes out monthly. So I've just done one, which is about weird westerns. So lots of little short stories. I mean, you can read it in five minutes. It's not as uh, but it's um i'm slightly scared of writing so this was a good way i think to kind of write stuff i kind of, i'll have an idea in the car and i'll think oh there's a good story in that and then i don't have to write the story because it's a micro fiction i just write the bit that i've thought of and gone that'll do that's enough um the, so I've got that um the things when you put up your uh, on on twitter your little story ideas they're mm-hmm. wonderful Oh, like, like they're they're so cool. I'm like, okay, I want to read this now. Uh, yeah, all these these little like one liner pitches. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. ooh, I've you know, I've got an idea for this. Now, then you do nothing with it. I know it's, I'm a terrible. I, it's well, thank you very much for saying that. I um I genuinely have no confidence in writing at all. Not and and part of it as well is there's a part of me thinks if I write this as a story, um. I could draw it, and then I think, oh, I know how much work there is in drawing this. No, (laughs) (laughs) and then I think I could. What if I got someone else to draw it? I think I couldn't afford anyone else. I'm the cheapest artist I know, and I don't want to draw it. What am I going to do with this? So the A4 is is a way for me to excise those things. But at some point, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to take the my favorite ones and expand them into a comic, and and finally do that uh, fabled Kickstarter I've always wanted to do, which is just me writing and drawing my own stuff. Um, the other thing I'm doing, I'm doing a thing called it's called PJ Holden's Null Space, and it's um, a web comic, a weekly web comic written by the um, some of the best names in uh, who've not written comics in genre fiction. So Adrian Tchaikovsky, um, uh, uh, Taddy Thompson. Um, and a bunch of, I've got a whole load of names, have all written these one-page uh, stories for me, and they're going to come out weekly from the 6th of October, which I think oh, is wow. a Friday. Um, and it's called, as I say, it's called PJ Holden's Null Space, because I was thinking, I, I want, this is mine. <laughs> this is mine. I want, I want people to, what ties this whole thing together is I'm the artist drawn every single one of these stories, but they're all in different art styles because they're all different stories. And the writers have not conferred, they're, they're all individual one-off little one-page stories. And I'm just drawing them as, you know, if, if I get a story that's kind of slightly romantic, I'll draw it in a slightly romantic sense. If I, if I get something that's pure gothic horror, it'll become a black and white piece. If I get something that's got a bit of comedy to it, I'll draw it in a goofy style. So they're all, they're all different art styles. It's not unlike the um, folklore thing I did where I, I kind of adapted these folklore things, except these are all written comics. And as I say, they're all, um, they're all named, you know, they're writers that, that are better known as um, writers of sci-fi and genre pieces. So Gareth Powell, for example, who's um, he's written a load of sci-fi stuff um, and 
Uh, there's a bunch of others. There's a whole a slew of names that are not coming to my head because I'm an idiot. Um, so I'm doing that. Uh, Judge Dredd this week starts the, a seven seven or eight part series called Poison, where uh, Dredd is on the hunt for the guy who or guy or gal who murdered Judge Hershey. Uh, you know, slightly unfortunate for me is that um, it's also in the same issues as Garth Ennis. Henry Flint Judge Dredd, which looks amazing and is very funny. And so you're like, well, why am I the only second best Dredd in 2018? That's not fair. Um, so buy it for the Henry and uh, Garth Ennis Dredd and stick around for my Dredd. Um, so that's coming out this week. And what else? I've just DC have just announced these Beast, War, Beast Wars thing that's coming out, the Beast World, which is... Um, some the Teen Titans, lots of them get turned into beasts of some kind. Yeah, it's an offshoot a, from Tom Taylor's Titans series, so it's DC's big event for Tom November. Taylor's Titans. Is it, is it absolutely imperative that all of these titles have alliterative uh, functions? <laughs> if it's not, it should be now. <laughs> um, Tom Taylor's Titans. Well, I've drawn I've drawn a very short Huntress tale with Sam Maggs uh, writing it, um, which is a lot of fun. And I actually DC said, says, can you color this? I went, yeah, uh-huh. I'll color it. And then I said, to him, <laughs> I says, how much? Uh, I've finished this. Here's all the artwork. Went, Thanks very much. And I said, I haven't got my contract yet. I went, hang on a second. And he came back and says, have you ever done any coloring for us before? I went, no. I went, oh, <laughs> I got a very strong sense that they hadn't realized I'd never done coloring for them before. And uh, but but it's, I, I think it's my might be the nicest thing I've ever done because I've colored it myself. And um, coloring's hard. Coloring my work especially can be a bit difficult, I think, because a lot of artists kind of get the wrong impression from what it is. And, and I think um, they tend to kind of one thing they steer away from is a lot of textures and I like a lot of textures in my art and there's a lot of open space for textures and stuff. So uh, I think my favorite, my, my favorite pieces on it is I think the last page, which where the background has been colored and drawn and it looks uh, because I've colored it, it, it looks a bit like um, some of the backgrounds from 101 Dalmatians, which is easily one of my favorite Disney sort of artwork styles. It's got that loose kind of sketchiness to it. And beautiful mm-hmm. kind of washes of colors that sort of overspill the line work and stuff. And I don't think many colorists will do that. A possible exception would be Sean Phillipson, um, who I forgot his first name, who does Jacob. who colors Sean on on a lot of his work, where he will kind of his colors will spill out across the the whatever it is he's doing. So I've got that, and and also the fabulous folklore. This book that's just out as well. Um, sorry, I don't normally have very much coming out, but I seem to have a ton at the moment. Um, fantastic there the power of Twitter power of Twitter yeah it'll, it's on there anyway you, you'll see it it's a nice book it's a beautiful tales of folklore um, it's a project I did with with um, with uh, uh, John Rappian where John would write a tweet and this is again what Twitter used to be good at John would write one one little tweet about a piece of folklore and I would turn that into a full page comic and one one page and I would I kind of I'd use the tweet as a sort of jumping off point for for a comic which might be about the tweet or it might be something that contradicts the tweet or runs in parallel with it so each each um, piece of folklore is kind of its own little story and there's 52 of them and they also are accompanied by a uh, an essay John's written about that piece of folklore so it's the comic and the essay with the folklore about it beside it so that that's a full page and it's a beautiful, I mean, it's a gorgeous looking book. And it's a really, I think it's a really lovely, um, there are books that you do, you kind of go, 
I did a good comic there. That's a really nice, nice thing. I'm really, you know, I'm proud of the, the there it is there. I'm, I'm proud of the book that Derek and I did. But this came out of my brain. <laughs> this, <laughs> this is me going to John. John, let's do some um, folklore stuff. And and so it looks like that. So there's one on, there's, I mean, I'm showing this on video, but you know, if you're listening, you'll not see it. But there's the Boudicca uh, comic strip and then an essay on Boudicca. And they're all like that. They're all sort of beautifully graphic designed essays. So you'll, you'll get cool. one little page of comics and and the essay so you they're a perfect toilet book where you can take it in with you and read two two or three very that, that has things. to be the blurb on the on the book itself <laughs> doesn't it the book. perfect toilet book you know so yes yeah, so i have a lot of stuff coming out uh and that that's that's it uh, pj out <laughs> all right over to you i no, i've got nothing coming out now <laughs> um, uh just we 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 we're out with uh, bad magic and March, we're out with um, uh, A Mind Full of Murder, uh, book 16 in Skullduggery. So, uh, oh yeah, then I got, no, 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 that I can't even talk about uh, about Marvel. Um, Boo. Yeah, yeah. This is one of the things with comics is really weird, is when you're the artist on, especially for the bigger, bigger the company, the harder this gets is, you don't know what you're allowed to talk about or when until until somebody spills the beans on Twitter or wherever. And then you go, is it okay for me to mention this guy? Can I send people artwork? What you know? Am I even allowed to say that? Maybe I've re- I've revealed too much about that Beast World thing. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> be yeah, all right. you, you're okay. The previews books came out this week, and all the Beast Wars one shots are in it. So I'm pretty yeah. sure you're just about okay there. But uh... that's all right. Man. I'll send you. Sh- I'll send all <laughs> just between us. I'll send you if you want to see it. We're so close to having Derek slip up there and his lawyers were knocking down the door to say, <laughs> what do you think you're doing? Um, but yeah, no, we'll, we'll, we'll wrap it up, gents. But uh, I just wanted to, to bring attention to the fact that obviously with regards to Bad Magic, you know, you're going to be embarking on a UK and Ireland tour to promote the book. I know you'll both be there in Cheltenham, you had mentioned, a series of other mm. dates as well. Um, but I do want to draw attention to one specific signing where you will both be there as well as I would like to exclusively reveal on the Saturday, the 4th of November, I believe we will have the pleasure of your company in our humble little store. And look, if anyone sat through two hours just to get to that nugget of information, you deserve it. <laughs> well, this is the first time I've talked publicly about it. I've, I've mentioned it to my other half, and I've mentioned it to one specific uh, big skullduggery uh, pleasant fan in store he's actually met you a few times Derek um, I think the last one was at a Waterstone signing but he's particularly excited for this one he... he's that guy you've got the, the distance order on the, you know, the... <laughs> <laughs> suddenly he won't be allowed in store but uh, no it's something we're really looking forward to we, we love doing signings in store uh, we've just come off the back of one there at the weekend actually we had an American writer over David M. Boer which was, was pretty fantastic but this will be the first ever artist writer combined sign oh lovely yeah. mm. yes um, yeah except for when you had Declan sign and stuff because he is also a writer artist but in one well, person he pretends to be a writer he pretends to be a writer he's he's an artist he's 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 just <laughs> sick of drawing for the last 15 years so he wants to write because he knows that's uh not quite as much the, work on the shoulder the is and it's <laughs> the easy the easy money huh? Huh? <laughs> but uh no it was really interesting because uh i had uh, patricia in the store uh yesterday and she had come in to have a look at the store and she said no just Wait, be patricia mind is patricia is the the harper collins harper collins yeah so she was uh in store with me and we Did were she having... come over from england to do that i think she's from here 
Um, oh, shit. That's all right. I was going to say that's mad. But what was great was she was sitting chatting to me and she was like, no, you know, I know you're talking about like a three hour window. Now, Derek likes to spend a bit of time with, you know, people who are good enough to queue for him and stuff. I mean, how flexible is that three hours? Can that can that go longer? And all I could think of, and I said this to her straight away, was, have you ever met PJ before? You, <laughs> you think it's only going to stretch to three, to three and a half, to four, to five, uh, which she had a good laugh at. But uh, <laughs> yeah, but I think you'll what, what you'll find is a lot of them, more of them will be there for Derek than for PJ. <laughs> just hey, Derek will have to talk fast, and I will just be talking away to the one person who accidentally glanced at me. <laughs> just made that eye contact that's your first just mistake. accidentally made eye contact and not been able to break off ever since <laughs> just just looking at you like that's your first mistake there but uh no we'll very much look forward to that uh as i say it'll be a great way to round off the year uh having you guys in and you know obviously pushing the book as much as possible i yeah, read it fun. i've never read a skullduggery pleasant book before and don't take that personally because i don't think i've read a prose novel outside of an autobiography in about 10 years because comics are just so got their hooks into me so much that I don't know if I have an imagination anymore. That's slightly concerning. <laughs> I, I need the pictures. I need the art. Um, but no, I really, really enjoyed bad magic. You know, it was, it was perfect for a first time reader. It was very witty in places, good comedy banter between the two main characters, good dose of horror in there. And, I always appreciate anything you can read where you can just hear the Irish brogue in it. You know, it's not an Americanized language the whole way through it. Yeah. So, yeah. so good fun monsters in there too. I hope, yeah, you know. Oh, the yes. art, yeah, the artwork was great. The artwork was great, PJ. That's good. I was just waiting on that. That's that's, that's why I kept turning the pages. Nothing to do with the dialogue. It was all about that extra page per chapter. Of, of, of artwork so uh but yeah no it's uh it's been a pleasure chatting to to you gents um you know many thanks for coming on best of luck obviously with Thank the you. with the launch for the book and uh as i say you may have just made me a convert to skullduggery but more graphic novels please yes <laughs> i look Excellent. forward look forward to seeing you guys in november